0: Good evening, and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8, and in it I talk to someone who is a person of note, and we listen to music of their choice. My guest tonight comes from a long way away, and she is a long way away. Her name is Aileen Anderson, and she's talking to us from somewhere in the mountains behind Swellendam. Good evening, Aileen.
1: Hi. Good evening, Richard.
0: Wonderful to have you on the program. I'm just going to tell people who you are, and then you can fill us in. Aileen lives on a farm uh, near near Bosch. This is a, uh, the last bit of forest, uh, of the old Tsitsikama forest, in the mountains behind Swellendam, sort of between Swellendam and Barrydale. And she is running a conservancy there, the Grootvadersbos Conservancy, but she also runs Silver Mountain Music, and it's great to have you on the program. So perhaps you could just explain to us, Aileen, exactly what it is that you do in the conservancy.
1: Well, thanks, Richard. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to, to be on the show. Um, yeah, the was Cons- Conservancy works with uh, 19 private landowners in this valley, and we uh, assist the landowners in a couple of environmental activities, particularly around the clearing of alien vegetation. So the land also contributes to the program financially, but we actually help them by removing trees, particularly from the rivers, and then that assists them with increased water flow onto their farms. And that employs about 100 people in the valley, and those are some of the poorest people in our valley. And then we also work with them on other things, fire control, fire management, giving them advice on different conservation and environmental things on their farms. So yeah, we, um, yeah, I'm Privilege to live in a beautiful part of the world.
0: Um, well, and you say valley, but I know you live on sort of on the top of a hill rather than in a valley.
1: <laughs> yeah, so actually, I look right onto the Hood forest and onto some very, very beautiful mountains. So it's a great place to, to be. Um, it's isolated, but uh, it has its
0: its perks. And those are the Langkloof mountains, aren't they?
1: Yeah, the Langeberg mountains. they Langeberg. Run all the way across through here.
0: Yeah. You know? And uh, how long has this conservancy been up and running?
1: It's one of the longest in the Western Cape. So it's 25 years now I think it's been operating. Um, started long before I moved out here by um, Cape Nature and uh, my uncle and some other members in the valley who, who started it, who saw a need for people to work together. Um, and yeah, it's only been in the last four or five years we've actually employed full-time staff. And that really helps to focus everyone's attention and get things done. Um, so,
0: And and I believe when you talk about fire, fire is quite a common event up there.
1: Yeah, so fire is something that anyone who lives on a farm worries about quite a lot. We're always thinking about fire breaks and uh, how we can protect farms because the, the devastation that can be caused by, I mean, you can imagine houses and infrastructure can get taken out. And because in... Uh, the feinboss burns naturally so it will burn every 10 to 15 years or so so you actually need to expect that and prepare for it by building fire breaks and scheduling burns so that you can safely burn when it suits when the wind is not going to blow it into someone's farm or into infrastructure yeah so we spend a lot of time thinking about that
0: in fact feinboss needs fire doesn't it
1: Yes, it has to burn. And so we actually, we sort of can actually, Twaki, who's our fire officer, we can sit down with the map and he can almost pinpoint this hasn't burned in 20 years. There, if it's lightning, we expect that area to burn. And then we can sort of plan how we're going to manage that if it does burn. So you, it does, and if it doesn't burn, it's quite bad for the feinbors. It changes the structure and some, you can actually lose species if you don't burn it regularly.
0: Okay, well, here comes your first choice of music, and this is by Johann Sebastian Bach. It's from his orchestral suite number three. That was part of Bach's orchestral suite number three in D major, the choice of Aileen Anderson. Aileen, are you the CEO of that conservancy, or how do conservancies work?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, conservancies are voluntary organizations, so members join, and I'm also a landowner here. So I'm the manager of the staff. Um, my main responsibility focuses on the, the alien-clearing program, so yes, I, I manage the staff and the activities, but I also have a board of landowners that I report to and uh, get advice from them, which is always needed, because they're the wise ones who guide us. Uh, yeah, and it, it's, it works well, it's challenging, because we have a lot of different dynamics with uh, landowners and government bureaucracy and staff, but we we manage to get a lot done, so it's uh, I enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, to get 17 landowners to agree what's going to happen must be quite difficult <laughs> from time to time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is. And, and I think one of the things, yeah, especially at the moment, because farmers have had three very tough financial years with drought, they're also under pressure. And so if you suddenly start asking them to put money into environmental programs, it's quite difficult sometimes, understandably, because they are protecting their livelihoods and they may not have the cash to commit to removing alien trees. Um, so that's one thing we, we have to be very sensitive to. How do we help land? How can we communicate with them the, the benefits in the long run to their land by keeping it clear of, of alien trees?
0: And what sort of farming goes on in that area? I know that there are dairy farms. Uh, what, what other sort of farms are there?
1: So the, the main uh, type of activity is dairy. and Jersey, we actually have the highest Percentage of Jersey cows outside of Jersey in the UK. So Jersey is, is big in this valley. And then we also have uh, beef cattle, quite a lot of guest houses, uh, beef farming um, and, a, and canola and, and, and wheat to a certain extent. But we, we're we more suited for, for the dairy because we've got quite high rainfall in our valley.
0: And it's obviously uh, high quality milk because Jersey's give, I know, very creamy milk. So there's obviously milk and and milk products, I guess, are important.
1: Yeah, so because of the high butter fat in the Jersey, that's mainly what they use the Jersey milk for, as you said, because of the, the, the amount of cream. They sell it a lot for, for cheese. And we have a few cheese factories in the valley and also yogurt and butter, but mainly for cheese. Very good for that.
0: Right, your next choice is the famous Pachelbel Cannon. And here it comes now. That was the famous Pachelbel Cannon, played by the Baroque Ensemble of Vienna, the choice of Aileen Anderson, who's my guest in People of Note. Aileen runs the Grootvadersbos Conservancy. Now, just tell us a little bit about Grootvadersbos, because I mentioned at the beginning that it was sort of the last remaining bit at, in your area of the old Tsitsikama forest. And uh, it is like the Tsitsikama forest, I think, isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah, so it's a very isolated little section, and uh, it, it was cut off from the main section as you mentioned and because of that it's it's quite special in that the isolation has resulted in some quite unique species that have developed here because of the isolation a lot of them we're still kind of discovering one of them is a dwarf chameleon that has just been identified as a unique species here there's also a butterfly a beautiful blue emperor butterfly there's a, a shrew that is only found here um and some fish that so, so because of our, the fact that it was cut off, there's this amazing array of diversity.
0: Well, and when you say fish, that implies rivers also. So there must be mm-hmm. Im, sort of important rivers that flow through that area.
1: Yes, we've got a, a, the Trotto River through the Trotto Pass. You've got the Davonux River and the Houtfadesbos River that flows into the Breda River. And each of those has different types of fish because of the way the rivers flow. And so we have got, a, and, and our rivers are in very good quality and they are very important because they're the headwaters for some of the other rivers downstream that are very important for agricultural activity. So protecting our rivers here is very important for downstream users as it feeds into and, many rivers.
0: And obviously the, the water is in good condition there.
1: Absolutely. So the recent studies we're doing some work on, on monitoring our rivers and, we've, and our, river, our rivers are in very good condition. It's just a matter of keeping them that way. There are some exceptions. The Trotter River is struggling because they are under pressure from increased agricultural activity on the Barrydale side. And so we're constantly looking at how we can make sure that those rivers are protected as best we can.
0: And what are these fish that we hear about? Are they they, fish that we would recognize or not?
1: Well, probably not many people uh, would sort of Find or to know them because they're in these dark little streams in the mountains, and they they are very, often quite small. Some of them are as small as your pinky finger, even smaller. Um, the red fin are a bit bigger, and they're beautiful fish. They've got these red streaks under their, their front front uh, fins. So you probably wouldn't know them, but they're in all our little streams, and there's an amazing diversity. And a lot of them are under are under threat. Uh, many, some of them aren't even described. They're probably a whole lot of new species that. Because they're so small and difficult to find, there's probably a lot more diversity than we think. Actually, it's
0: amazing to think that there are still species waiting to be found in that area.
1: Absolutely, and I work with some different organisations, uh, some friends of mine, Bionerds and other people who work Cape Nature, and they're always telling me that it's it's not a matter of they're not being it, it, the matter is that there are not enough scientists and not enough people collecting specimens and enough scientists and know enough about how to identify spiders and frogs and the taxonomic research in this country struggles to keep up with the number of specimens that they get given. And I didn't even realize that until I moved here. Yeah. Often I take a photograph of a moth and they tell me, we don't know what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and and yeah. uh, it, as you mentioned at the beginning, it's quite isolated up there because actually you're at the end of the road, aren't you? That's the road to Hrutfader's boss, but you're the last farm on the road.
1: Yeah, so Strawberry Hill Farm is the farm, and we're right next to um, Cape Nature. So the Houtwouters Nature Reserve is my neighbour on the one side, and so we literally are the end of the road into the mountains. So it's a it's a very special place to live, and because of that, we have a lot of diversity that comes from the wilderness area and from Cape Nature next door, and extends onto our farm and neighbouring farms here.
0: Right. Your next choice is uh, Marta de Vries, uh playing from something from her CD called Marimba Rock. It's part of a concerto in A minor. That was Marta de Vries with a small string ensemble playing part of a concerto in A minor from a CD called Marimba Rock. Aileen, I just want to ask you about uh, the, we were talking about the forest because I've been there. I've in fact been to stay on your farm. And uh, I seem to remember that there are some giant redwood trees in the forest there. How does that come about?
1: Yeah, so... um i don 't know all the history of it, but they are Californian redwoods, and they are quite remarkable to see them and they they're not indigenous they're obviously exotic, but they've become sort of historic items because they i think I, I think they're some of the biggest in the country, not the biggest, but up there were some of the biggest yeah and they were originally planted for timber um, and then maybe they were too inaccessible to get out, but they are over a hundred years old, and they're amazing um, huge um, yeah very impressive trees that. You go through this indigenous forest and suddenly you see these huge redwoods. It's very
0: impressive. Yeah, and w- just tell us a little bit about the history of that area because I know that your or part of your family, has been there since early in the 1800s.
1: Yeah, so the, <laughs> the Moody family uh, came out here in the 1800s and in fact uh, the Moody family owned, I believe, the whole area right up to the top of the mountain, which is now the wilderness area and, um, and Cape Nature and many of the farms in the valley, was a big Kutfadisbos estate. And then at some point, I remember my grandfather telling me the responsible thing to do back then was to sort of give the land to the government to look after for conservation. So I don't, that was done, unfortunately, a long time ago where it was sort of passed over as custodian to, to the government. And then since then, it, at one stage, it was when I spent time here as a child, there was a lot of forestry activity. So before it was a nature reserve, there was lots of forestry up on those mountains. Well, in the indigenous forest,
0: or is this planted, plantations now?
1: Sorry, yeah, planted up on the Fanebosk. Yes, okay. Uh, in the, that was like, they actually, bef- it, for as long as I can remember, it was a forestry station. Um, and, then it's, and then it was converted to a nature reserve, and they removed all the pines up in the mountains and restored it back to its original, which was Fanebosk. But for many, many years, it was is deforestation.
0: You've been living there for some years now and I've been up there so I know it's a very beautiful area and it must be quite special to live up there.
1: Yeah it is I mean it's uh, different so you a lot of people um, when you have guests coming here they think oh it's amazing and peaceful and restful it is but there's still a lot of challenges in living in a remote place You, you are you have to look after yourself you have to sort out your water and your electricity and your so so rural areas are fabulous, but they also have their own set of challenges. You, you can't just order sushi or pizza if you want something on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> and you a, can't, you can't a, eat yeah.
0: small redfin fish. This is not good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things you've so, done there to, to uh, make it attractive to outsiders, and also perhaps for yourself because you're a keen cyclist, is to build trails. Mm. Just tell so us I'm about a, that.
1: Uh, I'm an avid mountain biker. And um, so, one of the things we did is we got some funding through Table Mountain Fund to develop trails across the landowners. And we have a network of four different mountain bike trails. And so, I, it's fabulous to be able to, for me, to get on my bike and ride those trails and to share it with other people that are coming.
0: And do and people about, come? It's about a
1: hundred. Yeah, so we, we've, we, we have, obviously, now things are much slower than yes. they should be. And most of our trails are ridden by guests visiting the area. So we don't have a lot of day visitors because of how far away we are, but uh, increasingly becoming popular with people from Cape Town, from George, coming through to to ride our trails.
0: And are there walking trails as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, so you can walk or run the mountain bike trails. We genuinely recommend people to walk in the Cape Nature because those are better suited for hiking. But yeah, so if you combine the mountain biking with the hiking, you've got kilometers and kilometers of mountain biking, hiking, and running to explore in the Conservancy and the nature reserve.
0: So if people come for a weekend, there's plenty to do?
1: Yes, usually I get people that think they can ride them all in a weekend and I have to tell them, well, you need to come back because if you want to ride them all, it's going to take longer than just a normal weekend. (laughs) You need probably two weekends.
0: Now, your next choice is rather unusual. It's nothing that I've ever heard of. This is by someone called Josef de Bienhoher. Can you just tell us about this?
1: Oh I, I I So this is actually a little bit embarrassing because um I don't actually know a lot of about these pieces of music because I just have this folder on my laptop that's classical music. Oh and you just like I listening listen to it.
0: To.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so um when you asked me to select, I just went to that folder and I actually didn't even know what some of them were called. I had to shaz- Shazam them to get the name. <laughs> <laughs> so I unfortunately don't know a lot about the pieces of music other than I like them.
0: Okay. Uh, well, that's that's good enough for me. Uh, so here it comes. <laughs> Willeweidt and Taliawerkt by Josef de Bienhoer. That was a piece by Josef de Bienhoer called Willeweidt in Taliawerkt. The choice of Aileen Anderson, who's my guest on People of Note. Aileen runs a conservancy in the Khrutfader's Bos area in the mountains behind Swellendam. Now, one of the other things that uh, you've been uh, instrumental in getting going is the Silver Mountain Music Festival. And I was certainly involved in that from the beginning because uh, I realized that that area had a lot of potential for tourism, and one of the ways to get people there is through music. So just give us a little background to the festival.
1: Yeah, so I think um, I think the idea came in between a conversation that you had with my dad at one point, and you thought this would be a, because I know you've been friends with our family for, for for many years, and out of that conversation, the idea was, well, let's put this this festival together. And uh, and since then, the, initially the idea was a little bit intimidating to me because I'd never run a festival before and I didn't know what involved. And I knew that if Richard was involved, the music would be good, but what about all the logistics and the toilets and the tickets in and, and the middle of nowhere? But then the first year, somehow we sort of pulled it off, and it was actually, as much as it was very hard work, it was also incredibly enjoyable to meet all these musicians, to see people coming and loving it, and wanted to it the next year. And since then, it's just become sort of an item that my staff look forward to every year. They were so <laughs> disappointed not to organize it yeah. this year, because they love it. It's, it's hard work, but they really enjoy, the, the, some, some of them are so privileged to have these musicians come out here and and appreciate them and appreciate the valley. Yeah, and so I think,
0: that's, Yeah. one of the things that you've been able to do is to draw a lot of the local community into the festival itself, which has been special. So just tell us, some of these communities are in small places like Zürbrak, which many listeners probably will never have heard of. So just paint the picture for us a bit about places like Zürbrak.
1: Yeah, Seabrook, I believe, is an old little missionary town. And it's, it's a beautiful little town. If you're driving on the N2 and you go past Buflyach's garage, there's a turn off there to Seabrakh. And then it's this picturesque little community looking onto the mountains with some amazing rivers nearby. And it's a, a very traditional um, colored community. And it's got some long-standing families that have lived there for many, many generations. And it's got a very special vibe about it. Um, some amazing artists and musicians that live there. And um, about 50 of our contractors and workers come from that community. So we have quite strong connections there. And then the other town we work with is Heidelberg, which is the one that people know as Wimpy on the N2. That That is also a very special community. And a lot of actually, I only found out once I started the festival, a lot of um, famous uh, actors and musicians have come from um, Heidelberg. So there's quite a strong, music culture there. And uh, yeah, between those two communities, there's a lot of interest in arts and music.
0: Well, and what's been wonderful about the Silver Mountain Music Festival is that we've done concerts in those small places as well, in village halls, using local people, local choirs, local singers, sort of folk duos and so on. And it's been, I think that's a very special uh, contribution that they have made to the festival too. And one of the other uh, important things is that you've been able to draw a lot of the local farmers in uh, because every year we've done a concert in a different farm shed and they bring mm. along their produce and so on. Just just tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so we wanted to keep... One of the unique things is, is the idea of having music in unique venues and the idea of a farm shed. There's so many of these, I think, magnificent big farm sheds on, on farms. So for the main concert where we have the orchestra, we convert one of these farm sheds. that's usually filled with tractors and cows and cow feed, into uh, an orchestra hall and put a stage up and then try and get people to come and sell burravos rolls and different produce and eggs and butter, and cheese, bread, and it, uh, it just creates a very, bread. It just creates a very really unique atmosphere to have an orchestra in a farm shed in the mountains
0: with a beautiful view.
1: Yes, with a beautiful view. So it's quite special, and I, I guess I. I only, at the time, didn't think it was so unique, but now you realize that it is very unique to have yeah. that in the mountains. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's absolutely unique. It's a very unusual festival, and uh, certainly it's not replicated anywhere else that I know of. It's got these many unique features, as has that whole area. We talked about fish and dwarf chameleons and plants and shrews. Well, the, the music is is pretty unique there as well. And musicians come up mm. from Cape Town and we, we've had some from Tengena. In fact, Marta, who uh, one of her pieces was played earlier, she's been there. And we've had yeah. some Bach played as well. And here comes part of a Bach cello suite. That was the prelude from the Bach cello suite number three in C major, ah. the choice of Aileen Anderson, who's my guest in People of Note. Aileen, I think on the farm where you are, wasn't there some sort of timber industry with um, blackwood?
1: Yeah, so um, one of the things that people don't realize is is, is, uh, some of the the invasive trees that we have, they are obviously bad for the environment and they use a lot of of, uh, water. But some of them, like blackwood, actually is very good furniture, makes very good furniture. So what, we be, what we're doing now on our farm is to remove the blackwood. We're not going to be replanting it, but to also utilize it. And we've always done that. So instead of just burning it for firewood, you can actually utilize that. And it makes very nice. And A lot of people think, I often get people phoning me and saying, do you have any Nisner blackwood? Because it's the same Nisner. It's the same <laughs> blackwood that comes in nysner And I have to correct them and say, well, it's, it's actually Australian. And they're like, no, 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 I want the Nisner blackwood. <laughs> <laughs> so I think blackwood has actually kind of got itself, done a good marketing job in yes. turning itself, making it out as if it's indigenous, because it's such, people can't believe that an invasive tree can make such good furniture, and it really does. A lot of my house, where I stay, is all blackwood floors and furniture it is a beautiful, um, so we process it as much as we can. to yeah, As we clear it and return it to indigenous, we, we're utilizing the wood.
0: Ah, so it's a sort of win-win situation there.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, it's, and, and and the forestry industry in South Africa is closing down a lot. There are very few forestry industries still going. Most of them have closed. A lot of it's happening in a the So there is actually quite a demand for, for timber um, in, in the Western Cape.
0: And one of the other uh, big things in your area, I think you mentioned this early, was bees.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so my uncle John Moody is a... Um, bee farmer, and he's next door to me. And so they, 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 do a, they have an amazing product and they sell that uh, direct to consumers. But they also, he also does a lot of work with pollination, which is quite fascinating. So there's a the, the demand for um, the pollination of fruit trees at a specific time, and he will go in usually in the spring and deliver all these uh, hives at the right time to ensure pollination happens. And that's an important source of income for, for his farm, so that's a, a very interesting. And they have a lot of challenges too with bee diseases, And but that is an important part of the agricultural industry is pollination.
0: And I believe that uh, bees indicate the health of an area. So if you've got bees, it shows that that's uh, a sort of healthy area, which is a good thing.
1: Mm, absolutely. They do have a lot of challenges. Unfortunately, often um, he will have to rush and remove his bees because they're spraying um, a, a, a pesticide to protect from weeds, and that can actually wipe out the bees. So yeah. there's always a bit of a challenge there. If he's delivering hives, they often forget to tell him that you need to remove them before we spray the fields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and your next choice is Shakira. This time mm. it's Waka Waka. This was from uh, 2010, the World Cup. Waka Waka, this time for Africa. That was the famous Waka Waka, this time for Africa, Shakira with, it was one with, with a local pop group, I seem to remember, Mango Groove or yes. someone was, yes, it was. Freshly Ground. Freshly, Freshly ground, ground, that's right, not Mango Groove. <laughs> Sorry, I take it all back. Freshly Ground no, that's and Shakira. Um, and no, that's that was a, a great piece. Yeah, it's a great piece, it a great piece. And it was a great time too, 2010. Yes. All sorts of things Absolutely. happened. We had lots of visitors. And I think one of the reasons for, for telling people about Grootvader's Boss and the area where you live, is to attract people to the area. So apart from uh, walking in the mountains, cycling, uh, and all the things we've mentioned, there's also beautiful scenery there that people can drive. You don't have to walk and cycle. There there are roads in the area that take you through. the, The Trudeau Pass, for example, is a dramatic pass, which takes you through to Barrydale, and then you're in wine country. So just talk to us about wines for a moment.
1: Yeah so I mean I love my wine so I, I've got to know a few of the wine makers in the area and there's lots of great they're not as our wine makers are not as concentrated as they would be in a place like Stellenbosch but we have some very special wineries within proximity to, to our farm. There's, there's Sane wine which is more towards Melchas, and they've got a lovely wine of course they support our festival and they're in this incredible little remote uh, place in the middle of nowhere on the on the Breda river next to the Melchus um, Pont, And then they've, and then the other one is Belaya, which is in Riversdale, also in the Davenock side, which is not many other um, vineyards around there. And then as you said, if you go over into the, Trot, over the Trotto, into Barrydale side, there's a lot of winemakers on that side that are also making some uh, very, very good wine. So you can have a kind of remote exploring of all these special little vin- vineyards and, and winemakers if you come into this area.
0: Yeah, and once you're in Barrydale, you're in the Little Karoo, I think, aren't you?
1: Yeah. So then there's lots of of different,
0: yes,
1: uh, on that side, and yeah. The, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's not far. I mean, I think by the if the if the by the crow flies, Barrydale is actually our closest town, but you've just got to go over this huge mountain range. <laughs> so it's only about uh, forty minutes drive from here. Um, actually, one of the things that we what I, that I've often done is to run over the mountain and stay the night in Buriedale and then run back the next day. <laughs> so uh, that's definitely a great option if you like some exercise.
0: Yeah, but it's, I have to warn people, it's quite a big mountain. I mean, we're not talking sort of a little hill here. It's a pretty big mountain. <laughs> no, no,
1: <laughs> but it's magnificent. I mean, I remember my, my uh, great uncle, who was a Springbuck walker, and he used to live in Buriedale and my grandfather was still on the farm. And he would just walk over the mountain as exercise to have tea with my grandfather and then walk back. <laughs> and it's a long walk. It's a lot. And that, he was, must have been in his eight, late 80s, early 90s when he was still yeah. sort of walking over the mountain range yeah. 20 kilometers for tea and then walk back. Wow. So, yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> amazing. But it, is, it, it really is a beautiful area. So if people, have you got a website of some sort where people can see things?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the, the website for the Conservancy is gvbconservancy.co.za. Um, and that has a link to all the different farms and then the strawberry hill is strawberryhillfarm.co.za. That's the farm here, but if you want to link to all of the different farms in the conservancy then it's GVB conservancy.
0: Okay so that's, so that's for, for Groot right. Fader's boss, GVB. Yeah. GVB conservancy.co.za. So yeah. that's where you can find all the information. I'll give that again towards the end of the program, but here comes your next choice now. And you'll have to tell us about this because you've given me a bit more information. It was a <laughs> concert somewhere in Madagascar. Yeah. Tell us about it.
1: So I used to, I haven't listened to it for a while, but I think Richard Mwamba used to do an African Connection show. And at one stage, I used to uh, listen to that on a Saturday afternoon, I think it was. And it was, it was never a very uh, convenient time for me because on Saturday afternoons, I would normally be riding my bike somewhere in the middle of nowhere. But whenever I could catch it, I would listen to it. And through listening to his show, I got to know about this piece. And it always just touched me because it was, you can just imagine, I, 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 don't, I think they're a famous Madagascan vocal group and they did a live concert. And I just always imagine this sort of dusty, probably a soccer stadium in the middle of nowhere with probably bad sound and, and, and hot evening and this, this whole, and you, as, as they're playing, you could hear the whole audience singing along, knowing every single word. And it's just incredible to me, the sound. It's a beautiful song anyway, but when you hear the audience singing along, it just always gives me goosebumps.
0: So here it comes, La Nitra Salala Manga Manga. That was a song from Madagascar, La Nitra Salala Manga Manga. And it's the choice of Aileen Anderson, who lives in the Grootvada's Bos area in the mountains behind Swellendam, and all sorts of things go on there that we don't know about, and just tell us, Aileen, how has how your area been affected by uh, the recent lockdown?
1: Yeah, so it's it's really interesting. Um, it, it, I mean, obviously, the lockdown has affected everyone all over the world, and the tourism industry has been hit, and the restaurants and all of, of that industry. And many of the farmers here have tourism, so they've lost a lot of that. But what has been interesting is I recently contacted the, in preparation for some of the work we're doing for Silver Mountain Music, I called one of the local managers who, who runs the SSK that works with all the farmers in the valley. And they said that, interestingly enough, because food production stayed same, many of the farmers haven't experienced a massive drop in terms of food production. They've stayed pretty much the same. But, they, but he commented that the impact of the drought for the last three years is still crippling so many of these farmers, because there's been, in some cases, consistently 20% drop in production. And so these farmers are already in debt. And then a lot of the sort of additional income they were getting from bit of tourism on the side to keep things going. Now all of that's gone. So they're struggling to get out of debt consistently for three years, and now they've lost additional income. So there really is a lot of pressure and there's a great need to support many of these small farming enterprises. Because they, are, they have a double whammy. They have unpredictability of climate, but then they are also in a global market where they have to deal with fluctuating RAND prices. And so farming is a tough business. And they really need support from tourism and, and the city you come and visit and support them as much, as much as possible.
0: So there you are. That's for all the listeners wherever you may be in the country or in the world. There's a place to visit there in the mountains behind Swellendam so that you can support everyone there. And I noticed uh, you had a photographer in, uh, Jacques Marais, uh, to document some of what was going on during the lockdown. Just tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so Jacques is an adventure mountain biking, trail running photographer, and I got to know him through some of my um, activities because I'm always on my bike and he was always there. And so in our conversations when he was coming out here filming some of the mountain biking side of it, we we struck up an idea to actually try and capture what was going on during lockdown. And he was, being from a farm himself, he he loved the idea. So he came out uh, right in the middle of the, the heavy lockdown and just tried to capture the sort of feeling of being trapped versus that feeling of being free, and also to try and capture some of the stories. Because although the food production stayed the same, there were some industries that were very, very heavily hit. Like uh, the flower producers couldn't sell their flowers during lockdown, they received massive losses. Some of the small coffee producers who rely on tourism, many of them, massive losses. Uh, some of the tourism, particularly those that are dependent on international tourists, massive losses. So while in a whole that food production wasn't hit. these very these small little industries massive challenges. so he tried to capture some of that and we've captured that in a in a uh, on, the, if on the silver mountain music facebook page there's a a representation of that in, in something called masks on masks off and we've put to music some of his images to try and capture
0: these stories so just give us that site again
1: so it's the it's the silver mountain music Facebook page, uh, Silver MT Music is the handle for our Facebook page. And you can also go to our, our website, which is silvermountainmusic.co.za and all the links are on our website as well.
0: Gosh, so there's a whole range of websites that you can go to then. We'll give them all again at the end so that people can see these things. And I know you've been doing uh, quite a lot of sort of online stuff with Silver Mountain Music as well. <laughs> To, just to keep people involved and interested?
1: Yeah, so we wanted to, and I, I was also just very aware during le- le- Level 5 how many musicians and artists just couldn't produce, couldn't do anything during this time. And so we wanted to kind of keep something going with Silver Mountain Music, even though we couldn't host it in June. And so we put together a whole lot of interviews, uh, photographic journeys set to music, which you, Richard, and a lot of other people have been working hard with to try and capture some of that. Um, and I, I think it's been very successful. Lots of great feedback from people that have been part of it, have um, watched some of the interviews. So I hope that, and all of it's still online, so even if you missed some of the live viewing of it, it's all still there to, to watch. Um, yeah, and it'll give you a taste of what we hopefully will do next year in, in person
0: so you go to silvermountainmusic.co.za and you can find all the links there. There are interviews and uh, photographic exhibitions and talks about the, the fish that Aileen talked about earlier, the redfin and the dwarf chameleon, which comes, uh, which is endemic to that area as well. And one of the people who's been to play at the festival there, uh, this would have been the fifth year of the festival, but uh, who played in the last four years was Charles Duplessis. And here's something from his uh, CD called Baroque Swing. That was Charles Duplessis and his trio playing Baroque Swing. That was some Bach. And Charles Duplessis has been quite busy during lockdown as well. I see uh, you can go to his Facebook site or his website and find all sorts of things that they're doing. And of course, the National Arts Festival in Makanda, Grahamstown, Uh, They are also doing an online festival this year, as are many people, of course, because uh, as Aileen was saying, many musicians and actors and people in the arts world have been really hard hit by uh, COVID-19 because they're not allowed to perform for audiences, live audiences, and that's a real tragedy because that's what they do and that's what they want to do and that's what they thrive on. So many of them have turned to Uh, electronic media and Facebook sites and uh, websites and online shows to try and make a living, in some cases not make a living, but in some cases definitely to try and make a living because their work has just dried up. And that's what we're talking about with Aileen Anderson is creating opportunities for people to be able to exist by tourism or by alien vegetation clearing. Let's just get back to that for a moment, because you said you employ up to a hundred people doing alien vegetation clearing.
1: Yeah, so we um, normally we, we, we can it's it creates about it's a hundred people and it's about sixty five permanent jobs it equates to, and those people. What's really been challenging now is because of the new COVID regulations that we can't get them back to work yet because we're still trying to sort out all the face masks and the temperature thermometers and all the re- new requirements that are coming in. So all these people that want to work just can't until we get clarity on how we can go forward with these new regulations. Because there are teams of 12 that have to travel together in one bucky and there's concern about, will that be a source of infection? So how do we transport them? It's very, very challenging. These people desperately need to work. They, they earn minimum wage. And now they haven't been working for, for two months. So it's very challenging.
0: Yeah, I I mean, this is the story, of course, all over the country. But I guess in rural communities, it's uh, even worse because there's not a sort of passing traffic that one can call on. You're at the end of the road. And whereas in town, people can at least get on the street corner and ask for help, there are no street corners out there.
1: Yeah, and it's just, I mean, there are not a lot of options for many of these. There's just not a lot of, especially with such a cut down in tourism. A lot of people have had to be retrenched because businesses can't afford them anymore. And so we really want to try and find a way to get these people back to work. And one of the big challenges, even just getting, I mean, I've been struggling for weeks just to get deliveries of PPE into our area because the whole country is trying to order face masks and thermometers. Yeah. <laughs> and so just trying to get an order of a hundred face masks into this remote valley, I'm, I'm struggling.
0: But isn't that um, something that, that, that local people could make then?
1: Yes yeah, so actually sorry i I misspoke so f- the face masks we have got someone the actual cotton masks we've got someone in Seabrook who's making those, but the face shields those plastic shields they're called face shields those yes. are have to be brought in, and that's oh, that's very challenging to try and get those because yeah. it's just i mean and and sometimes I've ordered thermometers and they don't work, and so before I order a hundred uh, uh, twelve or twenty of them, I want to make sure I order the right ones and so there's it, it is very difficult to get all these new PPE requirements into this remote little part of the world.
0: Well, your next choice is very appropriate. It's called Better Days. So that was Better Days. One Republic is the group performing it. The choice of Aileen Anderson, who's my guest. She lives in the mountains up behind Swellendam. And just Swellendam itself is a very interesting area. If people are traveling along that road, instead of just driving past Swellendam, it's worth going into. Just uh, tell us something about the attractions of Swellendam itself.
1: Yeah, so Swellendam is a, a lovely little um, town to visit. It's got beautiful, some really, really good restaurants that I love going to. Um, everyone always says, oh, that's it's 40 minutes drive from me, but that's our closest place to get a meal out, so there's some very special, it's known for, for some, some top restaurants, La Sosta, Field and Fork, some of my favorites. And then it's also got, it's quite a strong arts community there as well. Quite a few artists, painters, sculptors that live there. Um, it's definitely worth just to stay there. There's also some, some great hiking and mountain biking behind Swellendam itself. Marloth has hike, hikes and mountain biking. So you could combine a trip to us with some time in Swellendam as well to enjoy the area.
0: And a lot of historic homes, I think.
1: Yeah, see, it's lots of beautiful buildings. I mean, just walking through town, you can see lots of uh, beautiful buildings there, absolutely. And there is a theatre there, obviously not operating now, but they have some musical attractions as well in town.
0: Yeah, and someone told me that uh, I think one of the top Italian restaurants in South Africa is in Swellendam. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so La Sosta uh, is I think it is, at one stage it was rated the top Italian restaurant in, in South Africa, and that's, that's in town. It's a great experience, a uh, lovely couple that run it, and it's it's really fabulous it's on the main street. And the other favorite one is Field & Fork, which is a local one, owned by somebody local as well, and that's also, those two would be my favorite in Swellendam.
0: And one of the places where you do concerts is a very beautiful yes. little hotel called Work. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. That's also a great place to have dinner, to go visit a special weekend away at Skwinauerts is, is absolutely great. It's a beautiful building. So,
0: yeah. thank you. so next time you're traveling along that road, listeners, if ever you see a turn off to Swellendam, take it and go and have a look at Swellendam. or we'll stay overnight, and then you can go off into the Grutvadersbos area as well, which is through Zierbrak. You turn off at Biffeljachsreffier, and you go up the road. It's a small winding road, and it just gets narrower and narrower as you go along. <laughs> and then eventually you can turn off over the Tradeau Pass to Barrydale, or you just keep going straight. And if you keep going straight, and then you turn left and left and left, you will eventually come to Hrutfader's Bosch. So it's a beautiful area to visit. And you've been living there, Aileen, you say, for something like five years now.
1: Mm, so I used to live in, uh, I still have a flat in town, so in in, in Tumboescliffs. It was a bit of a shock to go from, some boys <laughs> to come out here, but I've always come here. Um, our fa- our family's been, as I mentioned, been in this valley for generations. We'd come here as children, so it always felt like a second home. And then finally made the decision to move out here to uh, be involved in the family farm and and then run the the conservancy. And so yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, it has its challenges, but it's it's also fabulous. To I mean, one of the privileges is it's very safe here for, for the moment. So. I can go for a mountain bike ride on my own for as long as I like without any fear. Whereas in Cape Town, you always have to be aware of that. Yeah. Uh, so that's another big plus here. If you come out here, you know, I always if a, if a late girl comes here on her own and it's not sure, can I ride my own? I'm absolutely there's no really yeah. at the moment we have no risk, which is absolutely
0: a great privilege and unusual these days. So fantastic. absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely unusual. It's uh, your lovely. next your next choice is into my arms. Uh, the band of horses that was into my arms, the choice of Aileen Anderson, my guest in People of Note tonight, and talking of bands of horses uh is there horse riding in the area too?
1: Yes, so uh I'm not a horse rider myself i I, I prefer a bike, but they definitely if that's something we do have farmers that that do that, so um Fleckfair, which is one of the farmers in the valley, they have horses, and they and you can definitely arrange something with them. Um, and yeah, they, I think Honeywood also has a few. So there's that, if that's something you can do, and I'm sure our farmers are so open to things, I'm sure if you wanted to bring your own horse and ride it up here, they would be able to make a plan.
0: And so you mentioned a lovely thing to yeah, do. you mentioned there in passing, Fleckfee Farm, and they have something <laughs> very special to offer as well because uh, that's an unusual herd of cows.
1: Yeah, so Fleckvie is it's not Jersey, it's a different breed, and it's. Uh, It's a Sementala type, I'm 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 no expert on this, but what's unique about it is that it's a a special type of milk that is A2 as opposed to the A1 milk. So it's a different type um, and it's supposed to be very, very healthy. And if you go there, uh, you you can hear a fascinating conversation about what what that actually means in terms of uh, health and the different types of breeds. And the other unique thing about uh, Fleckvier is that a lot of dairy cows, you, you, they, they don't produce very good meat, so you can't actually, they, they either beef or they milk, but the, the Fleckvier breed, you can actually also use the meat, which is quite unusual to be able to have both. It's a dual
0: breed. So there are lots of things to do in that area. Your next choice is called Half Saved. That was Half Saved by Luca Fogale, and Well, with the lockdown, we're not even half saved yet. Uh, (laughs) And one wonders, you know, when all this is is going to end now, because I guess you can't wait for people to come back to that area now. Um, And are people, I mean, is anyone coming there at the moment or are you still in lockdown?
1: Well, so it is sort of interesting. Um, I was saying to someone the other day, for In a way, for me, we're kind of in a permanent lockdown because we're so isolated yeah. sometimes. And, and I sort of look back at level five when it was all, even though it was economically hard, it was sort of this peace because you wouldn't have anybody disturbing you. You could just enjoy the mountains. Whereas now we're in this sort of weird space where people are wanting to book, but they're not sure. Uh, we're trying to get people work. There's just sort of an uncertainty of what's going to happen and how it's all going to play out. So that's almost, in a way, more stressful then Then that sort of quiet, <laughs> complete isolation which I personally found sort of easier to handle than this sort of place we're in are
0: yeah well, uh we certainly hope that it will start opening up soon and that you'll get tourists and back, and the farmers will be able to do what they do and i one of the images that actually is seared on my mind is the picture of the one farmer sitting on his piles of discarded flowers. The flower farmer, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, yeah. And I just remember seeing the caption that it's like two million rands worth of flowers yes. just dumped.
1: And the thing is, it, it was so, div- I mean, I went to go visit him during level five and actually uh, he, he was so desperate to try and sell them to someone because they were just going to be thrown out. Um, and it was so crazy that you could sort of go go into the supermarket and buy chocolates. You couldn't buy flowers. Um, so yeah. the def- definition of what was essential had massive implications for some of these, of these farmers. Yeah. So I think now they are able to sell again and export again, but yeah. still very challenging.
0: So he has a great pile of compost now, apart from anything else. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make, make light of these things, but I guess something, yeah. something has to come of it.
1: Yeah. yeah, But I also, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the arts and the music because I really feel for many of these artists that, I mean, it's unclear as to when are going to be able to, and I, I just remember thinking during lockdown, many of us were watching Netflix and listening to music and a lot of these songs you're hearing are songs that I listened to during lockdown. And it just sort of struck me that we sort of, we're enjoying this music and this entertainment, but none of them are able to work. Yeah, um, and that's why I think it's so important that people contribute to the arts now. Yeah, because we've sort of selfishly benefited from the music and the entertainments when, but they weren't able to work. So I just think that's very tough.
0: Yeah, but one of the things that you have been helping with is you've got an online shop with with some products from local artists.
1: Yeah, so we there's a, a Seabrook artist called John Donovan Julius, who's a very very talented local artist, and uh, he produced a whole lot of custom made bags with um, hero bags, we call them with different faces of uh, policemen or nurses with a mask and a hero and they're beautifully made uh, hand painted bags. And they're all at our online shop, which you can get to through our our Silver Mountain Music website. And then you can also order masks made by the local ladies in Seabrook just to help some of these artists and communities get back on their feet. Uh, And you can also donate thermometers and face shields to some of these small businesses to get them back to work.
0: So there you are, if you go to that uh, Silver Mountain Music website, uh, you'll find the online shop there. So it's silvermountainmusic.co.za and there you can find links to all these other talks, uh, some music events and also uh, this online shop which supports local artists there in that area. But that doesn't make up for going to the area. So once the lockdown is over, if you're listening to this program and you're in the Western Cape, it's not so far from you. Even if you're in Gauteng, it's really worth a visit. Your next song or your next choice is called Simple Song. That was Simple Song, the choice of Aileen Anderson, my guest in People of Note. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8.00. And in it, I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And Aileen Anderson runs the Grutfader's Conservancy, which is a group of 17 farmers in that area, which is in the mountains behind Swellendam. And we certainly hope that uh, this lockdown doesn't prove too difficult for them because actually, I, I'm just wondering what choice farmers have. You can't just suddenly shut down a farm.
1: Yeah, I many of these farmers they had to keep going during during lockdown, keep producing milk, keep producing food production. Um, But a lot of them are just struggling with, so the the global economy to produce, you need these days so many cows, so much land to be able to compete in the global markets that they are really struggling um, in that context. And then a lot of staff were, during the lockdown, a lot of the, the, the staff were, were stressed, were worried, didn't come to work. So even though they had to continue competing in a very difficult global market, they were also dealing with the local stresses of, yeah. of of
0: of COVID. But most of them have come through that okay now. We're on the other side, at least, of that first bump.
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, most of the farmers are continuing, but they, a lot of them had developed the tourism side of their business, and that side is still very, very slow. And a lot of people are hesitant to rush back into that to open up too quickly, because once you open up, if nobody comes, then you've invested in cleaning cottages, getting restaurants going, buying food. In Skating, one of our big tourism partners in the Conservancy is very focused on international tourism, and they've got, they told me they've got freezers of ostrich steak that they purchased before lockdown that's just sitting in the freezer, and they don't know what to do with it, because... Normally that goes. They're very, very busy. Yeah. Now what do they do? Do they restock? Do they restock their wine cellar? Do they? It's yeah. just at what point do you open up all your doors? I think your um, 17
0: members of your conservancy should have a hell of a braai one night.
1: <laughs> with all those frozen steaks. <laughs> maybe we'll have to do that. He yeah. certainly helped them with some of their wine stock during lockdown <laughs> because no one could get wine. But, yeah, but, can uh,
0: polish off the ostrich steaks and drink lots of wine. It would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, your your next choice perhaps is appropriate, I Won't, is the, the title, Richard Walters. That was Richard Walters with I Won't, the choice of Aileen Anderson, my guest in People of Note. And we're just about at the end of the program now, Aileen. So just, I think, let's, for our listeners, let's give them all those websites again. The first one was silvermountainmusic.co.za but then you had some others. Just give us the others.
1: So the other one for the Conservancy is GVB Conservancy. So that's Golf Victor Bravo Conservancy.co.za. And that'll link you to all of the guest houses in the area and all the activities that we do in the area. Um, And then if you want more of the links to some of the programs, that's on the Facebook page of Silver Mountain Music. That's uh, Silver MT Music is the handle for our Facebook page.
0: And I guess for information about these unusual animals, Cape Nature must have something as well, do they?
1: Yeah. So if you if you go to Cape Nature website, they'll tell you more about the reserve, the Gut Fathers was Nature Reserve next door, but we also have links to that from our website. So on the, on the GVB Conservancy website, you can find out about the, the fish program that we run that's, that's funded by Table Mountain Fund with support from Cape Nature you'll also read about some of the our, our tra- all our trails all the maps for our mountain bike trails are all on that website so there's actually a lot of information on there and we also have a blog where we update sort of monthly in- stories from the farming community uh, interesting facts of what's going on so there's a lot of constant information on that website
0: fantastic well there we are that was Aileen Anderson who lives in that area and runs the Khritvada's Bos Conservancy and she's taken time out from her pretty busy schedule, uh, keeping everything going there to talk to us here on Classic 1027. So I just want to say thank you, Aileen.
1: Well, thank you, Richard. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. And thank you for um, highlighting our valley and for everything you've done for it's us. It's a great
0: pleasure. And we finish with your last choice, which is called Ocean by Ella Foss. And uh, from my side, I say good night and thank you to Matabataba Hadebe, who's helped us put this program together. And thank you all at home for listening. And of course, to Aileen in her isolated position on the farm uh, in the mountains behind Swellendam. Thank you, Aileen.